This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome back to another Fun Belt podcast, possibly award-winning Fun Belt podcast. I'm not going to say much about that. Maybe I'll leave that up to Tibbs for later, but... Joining me as ever, I'm Jeremy Harper, by the way, editor, writer for HowRazor.com. With me is Dusty Thibodeau, master of the Warhawk Report, and Shane Metlin of the Pulitzer Prize winning Daily News Record. No? No. Yes? No? Okay. Well, no. the future Pulitzer Prize winning news. Virginia paper. Press Association. <laughs> well, that, that's just as good. That's the Pulitzer of the East Coast. Yes. So welcome aboard, guys. A lot of things have happened since the last time we talked, namely in the basketball universe. Our man Shane Metlin was at in <clears throat> Pensacola to, to record his thoughts and feelings of the Sunbelt Basketball Tournament. So we'll pick his brain on that. Uh, I, I'm sure we have other things to discuss. Tonight is Selection Sunday. So we're going to hear about where where the championship uh, JMU Dukes women are going to land and where the Louisiana Cajuns are going to land on the bracket. So I want to start with Metlin. What is your overall thought on the tournament in Pensacola? It's awesome. It's a great yeah. place. For I had, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. When, when JMU, Marshall, ODU, I think those three are joining the Sun Belt. There was some yeah. question of why is it in Pensacola? Like, there's not a Sunbelt team in Florida. Yeah. It, it's a long ways for us. Like, yeah. why is it down in Pensacola? Mm-hmm. I know why it's in Pensacola now. It's, for one thing, Pensacola is practically Alabama, which I didn't yeah. quite realize until I got there. Um, it's a great location. There's stuff for people to do. There's reasons for people to go there. It's close enough to a lot of the teams. Um, Louisiana and South Alabama, both being close enough to drive over there. I don't think you could have gotten a better championship atmosphere. Um, some teams like Marshall traveled really well, even when they weren't close. I think, you know, the beach destination helps that. The city embraces it. The city's celebrities, you know, there's Bubba Watson and Roy Jones, like, hanging around. Like, wow. people in, embrace it. and Nice. It's a, it's a great place to have it. I mean, I don't know if after this contract's up, if they'll move it around a little bit or if they'll keep it there, but I will understand if they want to just make that the Sunbelt destination and like have Pensacola and the Sunbelt associated with each other. It, it worked well. For years, and Tibbs will back me up on this, the Sunbelt tournament was held in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and it was great for Arkansas State because you could just roll down to Hot Springs and enjoy the game. And then they moved it. Well, <laughs> Hot Springs, Hot Springs is such a great city. They decided that a the the high school tournament was far more profitable for them than hosting the Sun Belt tournament. <laughs> so they kicked the Sun Belt out. The Sun Belt said, "Fine." They were where where were they, Tibbs? We were in like 
We're supposed to be in New Orleans for a while, but it's really like Lakeland or something, Louisiana. Like Lakefront Arena, which is home of the UNO Privateers. Oh, okay. All New right. Orleans. Former Sunbelt member, Privateers. But nobody seemed to go to that. Am I wrong, Tibbs? Didn't it always seem to be kind of like nobody would go, that the accommodations were kind of difficult to get to? It, it wasn't. Yeah, like there, were, there was no hotel place. really around the arena. And so you had to cab i don't think really uber lyft was a thing back then so you had to cab over to lakefront from the bourbon streets and and the french quarter area of new orleans it wasn't good i mean it was it was a fun time it was a nice arena uh katrina definitely helped uh spruce up the place a little bit and 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 get some improvements but yeah it it was not the best of environments because there was nothing around there there were there was not even a popeyes to go grab a chicken and a biscuit afterwards yeah, so I noticed that, you know, the Sun Belt isn't the only uh, conference that does sort of off-city uh, sites for their conference tournament. I saw that the Pac-12, they're in Vegas. I think Mountain West might be in Vegas. Am, am there's, I, a lot, there's a lot in Vegas these days. Yeah. So. SEC well, is in Nash, <clears throat> Vegas. Yeah, and SEC, well, I mean, I mean, that's an SEC city, but I guess – that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's still kind of off, right? It's not held at the Vanderbilt Forum, right? Is it? Is it? Is it held in the Vanderbilt Gymnasium? No, it's the home of no. the Predators. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. So it's not like like Vanderbilt gets some sort of crazy uh, 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 advantage there. So yeah. So you felt like it was a good time, Shane, and you actually wrote a pretty kind of nice column about how you felt like the energy of the Sunbelt's really, uh, uh, really increasing and that it's only going to get better for Sunbelt basketball. I think so. Yeah. I mean, the, the atmosphere there, I mean, coming from, coming from covering the CAA where JMU was and everybody who was part of the CAA remembers back in the day when VCU and George Mason and Richmond were all in it and they, they had the tournament at the Richmond Coliseum and it was an event. There was stuff going on all over downtown Richmond, people hanging around, walking places. <clears throat> it hasn't been like that in the CAA in a long time. And, you know, they go play in Washington, D.C., and they play in a nice arena and there's stuff to do. But the city of Washington, like, doesn't know this is even going on. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, Pensacola, like the local sports radio stations broadcasting from within the arena the whole time. Uh, the local papers covering it. They're, you know, the Uber drivers asking me like, you know, about the games and like saying, you know, he's going to look for a ticket for the Saturday session and stuff. And, you know, it's it's big enough. Pensacola is big enough that it's worth going to, but it's also small enough that it's a big deal to have everybody in town for them. You know, Tibbs, what you know what this is making me? Jealous that uh, Arkansas State was not there. No, we were there. They were there. <laughs> air, air quotes. They showed up. They yeah, waited. They waited there. till March, but they showed up. <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, Arkansas State had maybe their best, you know, last couple weeks ending with the tournament. Uh, they, I think they finished the season winning three of five, which I know sounds sad, but we're happy for that. <clears throat> What the hell happened to the Warhawks, Tibbs? Uh, when you only play seven guys <laughs> all season long. And it happens. <laughs> it, it, it's March uh, or late February. 
everyone's fatigued, tired, done, and it it, it showed. I, th- I think that they had a, a pretty good showing, but there was really no real threat for them to beat Georgia Southern in that opening round game. But how about Viva La Boobcats? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. I knew you were going to bring it up. I knew you were going to bring it up, Tibbs, because you want to be right about the Bobcats. Did you notice that I'm wearing my guns up Texas state shirt just for you and just for this podcast? Oh, I am so happy for the Bobcats. You know what? We, 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 we love the coach. We love, we love the boobcat mystique. They did very well knocking off some top tier teams. Uh, you know, uh, who, who is the guy that caught on fire? Their longtime guy, Mason Harrell. Yeah, that's right. He caught on fire at the right time. It was very exciting. I thought it was an exciting tournament, by the way. I watched several of the games. Thought it was a good tournament. Um, before we go into the depth of the tournament, tournament, Shane, I know you probably have some thoughts about the women's and the men's. What did you think of, you know, Georgia <clears throat> Southern? Yeah, they did okay in the tournament. They did okay on the season. Not great. Haven't re- didn't have a really great three years under the coach. Fire the head coach. What did you think about that? I was sort of surprised. Um, <clears throat> for I mean, for one reason, he actually, Brian Berg actually stopped me in Pensacola to talk about just like, you know, uh, the coverage of the league, like, you know, how, you know, they're getting more coverage stuff. He seemed to be like happy with the way the Sun Belt was moving as a conference and didn't really give any indication he thought this was coming. Um, it, it was it was a short conversation, but like you know, the fact that he kind of grabbed me, wanting to talk about the Sun Belt as a whole, didn't yeah. strike me as somebody who thought he wasn't going to be in the league a few days later. Yeah, he um, wasn't coming up to you and saying, "Hey, you think there's any <clears throat> movement in the CAA that maybe I?" No, can- yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. I mean, Georgia Southern. I mean, I think it's getting better. They're doing some stuff with their facilities and stuff, but Georgia Southern's not an easy basketball job. It never has been. You know, Mark Byington had some success there, but, you know, not tournament success. It's not it's not an easy job. And, you know, maybe they think they're going to get somebody to, you know, similar to JMU. JMU has been a place where they haven't had much basketball success either for decades. But they hired a coach to generate a little enthusiasm as they were moving into a new building and improving facilities and stuff. Maybe. Maybe Georgia Southern wants to do something similar, start fresh with that situation. But I, I was surprised. I was surprised. Maybe um, spoiled by Clay Hilton's immediate success. Yeah, I don't know. The, the The list of coaches I thought might be gone from Sunbelt by today didn't include Brian Berg. <laughs> like, All right. I want to ask Tibbs about that. Tibbs, I know that you and I probably have fingers on the pulse of certain coaches that – who do you think is on thin ice? I, we've already seen in the college community a lot of guys going down, like Passner and a couple other guys. Do you, who in the Sun Belt do you think might be on shaky ground? You know, coming into this year, there were a lot of even Cajun fans that thought Bob Marlin was going to be on thin ice and then yeah. goes on a run and really has a good uh, regular <laughs> season and then, of course, wins the conference tournament. I think that you got to look in your own backyard there, Jeremy. Mike Bellato got to be on thin ice. But at the same time, is the juice worth the squeeze for the buyout of of what he has left on that? Well, here's the thing about the buyout for uh, Coach uh, Bellato. Uh, 
he had he had signed an extension, and then there were some stipulations in his contract uh, to keep the maximum to to maintain the maximum buyout. He had to either win the Sun Belt, he had to either win ten games in the Sun Belt, or he had to win the Sun Belt tournament. He didn't do any of those, right? So that buyout on March fifteenth is cut in half. So if something's gonna happen, guys, at Arkansas State, it's gonna happen around I don't know March fifteenth. So just be, be be advised. This is my press release to you. Something could be happening at Arkansas State on March the 15th. And that's where I'm going to leave it at. But who else? Who else might be in trouble? Or maybe nobody else is in trouble. I know that ULM, Richard, I know that there's some rumblings there. I'm, I'm not quite sure why. I feel like ULM played over their heads this year. Is there anybody else that maybe like, is, is Georgia State safe? I guess so. He was in the first yeah. year contract so yeah I think yeah I would wonder about Cliff Ellis a little bit Coastal Carolina just like I mean is he going to coach until he's dead I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Ellis is one of those guys that I never heard a crossword about him like on the on the in the ether of the internet until this year until this year I started hearing like some rumblings about Coach Ellis, and maybe he's out of you know touch and he's gone. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ellis calls it quits, but but who knows? You know, yeah. I thought he's gonna call it quits last year. <clears throat> Although they apparently, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, had an in-home visit with a big-time transfer recruit. So you know, maybe uh, <laughs> he's still working anyway. Yeah, he, he still does what he's doing. On, on, on Richard at ULM, you know, I think a lot of the fans are, are are ready to turn the page, so to say. But he's already indicated he's coming back. I think that this is the end of his contract. They could make a move, but I think that he will have <laughs> at least one more year at the helm of the Warhawk program. You know, I think the other one that I think really this year saved his career was Jay Ladner. He was another one coming into this year that, that Southern Miss wanted to make that coaching change to kind of set the precedent as they came into the Sun Belt that they were going to be competitive and everything else. And once again, they dominated tip to top there in the regular season. Yeah. As as cliche as it is, though, you win the regular season in the postseason, you're going to suck. And they lived up to the hype and went one and done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing with uh, the Sun Belt. That seems to happen a lot. So I guess Southern Miss, NIT bound, not a bad scenario. For the Sun Belt, because Louisiana was actually tagged to win the conference in the preseason, they win the pre- uh, conference. Looked pretty good in the Sun Belt tournament, in my opinion. Shane is Louisiana poised that you've seen them play in the tournament now. Are they poised to do some damage in the NCAA? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, you just look at, I mean, to win a first round game. I don't know if they're necessarily a sweet 16 type of team, but depending on the matchup, I mean, we know they've got the big man that can match with, Mm -hmm. you know, the power five type big men. They've got experienced guards. You know, they've got guys who have played. I mean, it really just like, could it have worked out any better for them? You're talking about people wanting Bob Marlin out before this. It worked out pretty well for them to have, legacies of like you know like a jordan brown as an a mcdonald's all-american who winds up there mm-hmm. on his third third stop because you know his dad played there you get you know guys who are just coming back 
from from Lafayette, you know, need a place to go and they're there. So it's kind of like that storybook type of season for them. You're not going to get that very often where it all comes together like that. Um, But they've got guys who have experience, power five experience. I wouldn't be shocked if they can win a game. I mean, it all depends on matchups, but you know, we're, we're recording this, what, like an hour before we find out who they play. So (laughs) yeah. So I may have, I may have a completely different opinion, like by the end of the night, but no, I think they could win a game, so, which would be huge for the conference if they did. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we've had we, some belt has had you know player or teams moved on before. Not 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 a little bit, no while. You saw that game between James Madison and South Alabama. What did you think of South Alabama? And I, I really thought that they were on their way from cruising, cruising through the tournament. They get stopped by by the Cajuns. You were at the James Madison uh, game. What was your overall thoughts on that? I mean, they're a good team. Like a lot of what I just said about Louisiana applies. They've got the big man who can match up with people. Um, their guard, and I say a more, it's just so good. And like he didn't get much consideration for player of the year because South Alabama's record, like overall record, wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And then when we talked about it before where they lost a lot of close games to a lot of really good teams early. And we weren't surprised to see them make a tournament run, but like just seeing him play multiple games in person, I was like, he should have been, it should have been three guys we were talking about for player of the year. instead of just two. Like he was, he was that good. He was just really, really good. Tibbs is that really the, it seems to me that that seems to be the key to having a great Sunbelt team is to have that dominant guy in the paint. It, do you agree with me on that, Dusty? Do you think that you have to have, like I, I was, t- I was told by an assistant coach at Arkansas state, Oh, you don't need a big man in the Sunbelt. You just need, you know, some fast guards and some, some, some sure handed power forwards and you'll be fine. But do you, is it true that you just really need a big man? And that's why having a big man makes you so good is that the Sun Belt is a guard and small forward, power forward type of league that when you have that presence in the paint, no one can stop you because there's no one else that can match up with you. Yeah, that analysis was given to me after I complained about the lack of size on Arkansas State. And they, they tried to assure me that wasn't going to be a problem, but it, it always is. And that was with Norchad O'Meara on the team. That's when I got that. Uh, women's side, James Madison Dukes, they're going to the dance. What do you think? Where will they land in the constellation? Oh, well, I guess we'll find out in a few hours with them too. Um, (laughs) people listening to this might already know, but you know, they do try to keep it more regional for the women. So I would think there's a good chance, you know, they'll be playing like a, a Villanova or a Duke you know, maybe a rematch with North Carolina, a few, a few others possibilities, maybe in Maryland. I don't know if the seeding matches up quite for Maryland. Cause I think Jamie is going to be either 13 or 14. Okay. Um, so, but probably teams that they actually have some familiarity with just because of the regional aspect of the women's. So, so it'll be interesting to see if they are also, I mean, I said, I think Louisiana could win a game. Depending on the matchup, I think, you know, it's quite possible that the Jamie women also could win a game because 
you look at the teams that are kind of in the mix there, they've played Villanova a lot over the years, and it's it's always been competitive. Um, so and that, would, that would be interesting know, if they line if they land there. As we all know, James Madison has those five big Russians on the team. Ten big <laughs> Russians on that team. Ten huge Russian women. Or, or maybe just one, right? They, maybe they just one. <laughs> so <laughs> let, me, let yeah. me ask you this, though, Shane. I think the thing that really overshadowed James Madison dominating that championship game, even Texas State going on the run on the their side of the bracket, Troy ODU and how that <laughs> game ended. What was the, the, the discussion there on the ground in Pensacola over that game? Uh, it was interesting. It was, you know, it was some of, I think the discussion was sort of like, who's to blame here is the impression I got. And obviously I think it's the officials for one, you know, they have to count and see how many players are out there. Like when you come out of a timeout, I, I would assume that that's supposed to be done every time. And it clearly wasn't, um, you know, there was talk about if the coaches handled it properly in the post game or, you know, you also got to get a, you got to kind of knock both coaching staff. Neither one of them noticed it when mm. they go out on the court. Um, you know, oh, if players too, you know, you would think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, would think, Hey, wait, there's six guys out here. Somebody from ODU eventually <laughs> figured it out and grabbed a player and pulled her off the court. Like as the play was going on. Um, but you know, nobody from Troy ever said, Hey, Hey, stop, stop, stop. There's six players on the court. <laughs> you know, in time to like, let the refs actually do something about it. Um, it, it was, it's, I mean, it was a tough, unfortunate situation all around. I know some people uh, didn't think Delisha Milton Jones at ODU handled it quite well enough in her post game press conference. She, she made a lot of jokes. I think she was just nervous, like trying to figure out hey, what to say. Let's you know, diffuse the tension. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, she, yeah, I think, you know, not a situation she ever expected to herself find herself in. Um, I did happen to overhear the next day over here, her and Keith Gill talking in the hallway about that press conference. And he was reassuring her that, you know, she did fine. And uh, um, so it's tough. It's tough when a game ends like that. But if, you know? if, you, if, if you're in commissioner Gill's shoes, what do you do? What, what is the right call? Because, you're right. I, I don't think anybody really noticed it while it was going on. And it wasn't until kind of that official cleared the floor that you kind of grasped what was going on. I think people had an idea of there was definitely some kind of breakdown on Troy's side that someone got that wide open for a shot mm -hmm. and then come to find out. Yeah, because it's a six on five. Everyone else was covered up. Yeah. And that's the situation. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's weird to me to some degree that nobody in position to do anything about it noticed because if you, I went back and watched the ESPN plus broadcast of it and their announcers picked up on it immediately and <clears throat> talked about it. But, you know, nobody in position to do anything about it caught it in time. I think, you know, people knew something was weird later on trying to figure out. I mean, you don't expect it. So I guess, you know, it can take a minute to wrap your mind around it, which was too long. But, yeah, it's tough. It's tough for Troy. It's probably good for the conference. 
that ODU didn't go any further. I mean, if, if ODU ends up being your champion and that's the, uh, and you have that moment that there's always kind of an asterisk, it's probably good that maybe uh, ODU didn't go any further just, just to be able to put that behind everyone. And, then, and, and you mentioned, you know, no one was really in position to do it in the, the press conference there that ODU's head coach had. I thought Chandler Rigby handled it like a champ. And, and mm-hmm. you could tell it bothered her. She was way better than I would have been because I would have def- definitely been Sports Center top 10 with the epic just rage press conference post game. But definitely kudos to her. And, and, and I do think that they will be rewarded, even if it is a C level tournament there, Jeremy. We'll, we'll we'll see her on the court side again here in the coming weeks. What a reward! <laughs> so I have I have a question for you guys that I've been kind of bumbling around in my mind. Is it a detriment to the Sun Belt that the Sun Belt uh, concludes its tournament a week before Championship Sunday, like our Championship Weekend, when all these great tournaments are going on? It's it's crazy. People are watching the TV. People are posting on the on the on the Twitters and the Facebooks and whatever, and they're all excited. And Sunbelt really isn't part of that. They, everything happened the week before. Some people would argue, well, it's good that you know you know we we get out early. You know we get that early buzz. But are we missing out? Are we are we kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by not being p- part of the halo effect? Not uh, at all. Because last Monday when we had the championship games on. There was Sunbelt basketball women at one. There was Sunbelt men's basketball at six, seven o'clock. There was no one else. Okay. So if you wanted to watch college basketball, men's or women's, you were watching Sunbelt. Shane, you concur yeah. and agree? <clears throat> I, I think I do. I mean, there's some give and take to it, but I, yeah, I do think there's some benefit to being the one, you know, I think if the league continues to improve too, then ESPN is like, hey, this is the real kickoff to like, March Madness right here. This is the, you know, big start to the week if you do it on a Monday. And um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, I don't think anybody expected Sunbelt basketball to be quite as good as it was this year. So I think there's, you know, if they had, maybe ESPN thinks about putting the semifinals on linear TV too. I mean, maybe that's been the discussion going further. And, um, you know, I think we just talked about the six players on the court shenanigans um you know the one thing everybody talked about was these are not top tier refs doing this tournament and i think playing a week early you should be able to get a little bit better ones but i think you know something i heard from a few different places during the tournament was yeah we just the sunbelt wasn't expecting this kind of tournament this early where you've got six top 100 level teams and you've got, you know, teams that can do some damage and getting attention and they're, you know, nice crowds. I mean, it was nice crowds. I mean, South Alabama and, uh, and and Southern Miss are playing in the quarterfinals and like, that's a short drive for those fan bases and Southern Miss fans are really excited about, season they had that was a really good atmosphere for an early in the day quarterfinal game there was a great crowd there and then it was a great crowd for the championship game like just 
you know, really the whole week, if I'd step outside the building, there were people around hanging out, doing stuff. Like, you know, a lot of them were South Alabama fans. A lot of them were Louisiana fans. You know, Marshall traveled really well and then got bounced early. And, you know, but if Marshall had made a run, it would have been a really, really good atmosphere. And I think, I think to some degree, they were thinking this is what we want to see two years from now. They weren't ready for this quite yet. And getting getting some better officials, getting some of those top tier SEC officials that weren't working the SEC tournament yet, getting some more of them on board, I think would probably help, um, would help things too. Shane, any truth to the rumor that you had to escape an angry mob of mountaineers? Not true. Okay. There, there weren't very many mountaineers there. Justin and I heard that rumor, and uh, we were concerned. Uh, no. you know, we had a little back-and-forth text. Is Shane going to be okay? <clears throat> Do we need to send police? But it turns out that was just a rumor. No, no mountaineers fans chasing you through Pensacola. No. <laughs> Good. Maybe the peace pipe has been smoked. Maybe the hatchet has been buried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, do we have anything else to talk about the 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 uh, for Sunbelt basketball before we turn the page? I don't think so. Oh, okay, well, do we want to talk a little bit about baseball? I know it's early in the season. Uh, already, games are being rained out at Arkansas State. Uh, I don't know if you guys are having similar problems with the weather. This ha- seems to happen every year for Jonesboro, though. How are things going? After last weekend traveling over to San Antonio, ULM playing at Incarnate Word. I was doing a rain dance in hopes that that game would get rained out. It was uh, it was pretty ugly, but it was great to see a grand slam for the Incarnate Word Cardinals. Uh, Warhawks load up the bases on a hit batter and then lose to get run ruled off of another hit batter. It was an ugly weekend, that's for sure. But some other teams not having ugly weeks. Midweek action, Coastal Carolina down number five, Wake Forest. Yeah, nice. Huge win. Last weekend, Southern Miss took two of three from Dallas Baptist. Georgia Southern, same two of three from Central Florida. Texas State, though, on the slide last weekend, falling to Grand Canyon, as did the Cajuns, two to one against Campbell. Did see that the Cajuns picked up, I think, the the series win over uh, High Point, who always has a pretty good baseball program. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, you're talking about, the the trials and tribulations of the Warhawks. <laughs> Arkansas State took a two run lead on uh, on Eastern Illinois, and then immediately it walked four batters in a row and start walking people in, and then lost the game. That's one thing about college baseball. There does seem to be a lot of walks, a lot of hit by pitchers, a lot of goofy errors. There's nothing perfect about college baseball. That's for sure. Not at all, but as as much as you talk about walks and hit batters, chicks dig the long ball, and the Sun Belt has been hitting the long ball. As coming into this weekend, Old Dominion and Troy tied for fourth with 29 home runs. Speaking of Troy, is Troy a surprise? I mean, Troy wasn't named as one of the top baseball programs coming into the season. But Troy seems to be the, the program that's really racking up the wins. Is Troy for real or is Troy just the benefit of a soft schedule? 
I think they're for real. I think that they've had just enough pitching so far. And then not to mention Sunbelt player of the week, Shane Lewis, really just clicking and, and really driving that offense that the, the Trojans have been able to outscore their opponents. They might not necessarily be beating them in all assets of the game, but they're definitely outscoring them on the scoreboard. I think they scored like 10 runs in the first inning of their last game. They really know how to score points. It looks like to me, just, just sort of as a casual observer, that maybe Southern Miss pitching is still struggling. So I, I, I know that Southern Miss, a lot of expectations for the Golden Eagles, but I don't know if they've quite settled down yet on the pitching aspect. I feel like Southern Miss has, has been hit or miss. They're either hitting the ball with no pitching or they're lights out pitching but couldn't scratch a run across if, if they had the bases loaded in ball four. So you're saying that maybe maybe it can possibly come together once things mesh. I think so. I mean, all these non-conference games are great. It's good, you know, like with Coastal Carolina getting their top five win over Wake Forest. But it doesn't matter until next weekend when Sunbelt Conference action begins. All right. A little bit away from baseball and the, the big sports, there was the indoor track and field championships this weekend. Arkansas State was very excited. We had an athlete competing in the pentathlon. Her name is Cameron Newton Smith, an Aussie who uh, had set like a was had the was number one in the United States for a while. And then she ended up coming in second, but she came in number two in the NCAA. Had a really good chance of meddling. Injured her ankle during the high jump, which she won. She won the high jump competition. They were in first. She was in first place. And she had to pull out because of that injury. So very disappointing for Arkansas State. I wanted to bring it up because it hurt my heart so bad for this young woman and for Arkansas State. That would have been a great uh, feather in the cap for such a great track and field program. While we're talking track and field, Warhawks picked up a All-American. Ooh. As Ali Unu, Ooh. a sophomore, picked yes. up the All American honors after the high jump for the indoor, clearing 7 1 in three fourths. Nice. I would like to point out that the Georgia State Panthers beach volleyball program seems to be steamrolling. Have you seen this team? <clears throat> they're, they're beating everybody. Yeah. yeah, kind of looking forward to seeing the Sun Belt. Maybe get some uh, national championship recognition for that. Although I guess still not in the Sun Belt, of course, but still Sun Belt program. You get that, you know, that's kind of nice. That's not true. Sun Belt is now sponsoring yeah. volleyball. Oh, is it? Yes. Is it this year? Yes. Okay. You don't get your you don't get your player of the week emails every week. I do, but maybe somehow I missed that. Oh my god! You know what? We're supposed to be. The, the repository of Sunbelt knowledge. And here I, how can we win a podcasting award if one third of your broadcasting crew can I even remember if Sunbelt volleyball is an actual thing yet? For shame. <laughs> For shame. Uh, but anyway, congratulations to the Panthers. They seem to be doing a really good job. We'll see how that goes across. I would like to remind you that Arkansas State Bowling still ranked fourth in the nation as we approach the NCAA tournament. So that should affect seedings as that comes across, I think, sometime early next month in April. 
So we'll have that. Anything else? Maybe some field hockey news, Shane? Uh, no, but lacrosse. If we're getting if we're getting to the uh, Sun Belt adjacent ones, JMU. Lacrosse, I think we should. They're ranked in the top ten, seven in a row. They're. Uh, I think they've won three games straight against Big Ten teams. Um, nice. Yeah, so their their potential, uh, you know, Final Four caliber team there um, <clears throat> in a non Sunbelt sponsored sport, but uh, we can claim them. You know, uh, my son plays lacrosse. I maybe <clears throat> I should direct them to JMU. You know, we haven't really talked about that. Maybe we can. Yeah. Them on the they don't team. have a men's team, but oh, this is female lacrosse. Oh, yeah. come on, man. Yeah, sorry. You're making me look bad. Uh, I mean, yep, I'm I messed up because because <laughs> there's no men's team. We always it's always just Jamie Lacrosse. It's the only varsity team. But, yeah. Ah, I get yeah. it. If I recall, the women <clears throat> always are pretty good. Am I right? What aren't the women always pretty good for JMU Lacrosse? Yeah, they won the national championship in yeah. eighteen and have been in the NCAA tournament pretty much every year for a long time. So. Tibbs, do you have any oddball Sunbelt corner sports to talk about? I got nothing for you for right now, other than it seems like everybody's pro day is coming up this upcoming week. ULM will have theirs on Monday afternoon. Former show guest Boogie Knight showcasing his skills for the Warhawks as he tries to make it to the next level, along with defensive tackle Caleb Thomas, wide receiver Jay, uh, Jevin Frett, Tight end Zach Rasmussen and punter Devin McCormick. So they combine NFL combine came and went last week, and uh, I didn't hear much about the performance of Sun Belt uh, uh, Sun Belt players. We did have a record amount of players, or not record. We doubled the amount of players that we had from last year, uh, which is really cool. The only person I heard getting some sort of, you know, recognition was that big tight end from Old Dominion, Zach something. Zach Koontz. Yeah, Zach Koontz. That guy is so big. He is gigantic, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to see him, though, because, I mean, tough injury luck with him late in the year. So it's good he's uh, <clears throat> good he's out there performing and getting a chance. Yeah, he, he had gotten a, some mentions about some of his performance, so that was cool. Uh, didn't really hear much about the other guys. We didn't hear bad things either, so that's good. I guess the NFL draft is in April. Is that right, guys? Yes. Yeah, yes. so we'll see how we do. I hope we do well. I always like like to see Sunbelt do well in the draft because it just looks good for the entire conference. So. That's good. Anything else, guys? Any other tidbits? Brand, Brandon Silvers continues to light it up in the XF, XFL as the Houston Roughnecks in the hiatus including 21. The Roughnecks have never lost a game in franchise history. You know, Brandon Silver, one day maybe he gets that, that sort of chance to bring those talents to the NFL. I know I was glad to see him go because uh, he had been so good for Troy for so long. So congratulations to Brandon Silvers, get him out there, guys. How about some thoughts or what was it? What, what, what we do? Uh, uh, plugs, promos, and parting shots. Shane, tell us what you got. Guys, by the uh, way, we, we need some music or something for pros 
for, we need like some sort of gong. Well, we do a gong sometimes, but we need like some sort of 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 uh, audio cue for this, don't you think, Tibbs? As the producer, don't you think that's that's what we should do? I'm working on it. We got a new intro. I saw the. I I love the new intro. Good. Shane, let's hear your parting shot plug or promo. Well, we kind of already hit on it, but my I was planning on my parting shot being Pensacola. This is a great place for for a conference tournament. And like, I think uh, I think it's there through twenty twenty five. I don't know if they want to move it around, make it close. You know, give everybody every part of Sunbelt country a, a shot at it. Uh, I can see the argument for that, but if you're gonna look for a permanent location, I don't know you could do much better than Pensacola. <laughs> All right, excellent parting shot from Dusty. Or from Dusty, you're not Dusty. You're Shane. I'm, not, I'm. I'm just always on your mind, Jeremy. <laughs> Dusty, what you got? You know the big story last year in, around the NCAA was the whole Adidas AAU scandal that popped off and wound up catching several college coaches, including. Will, uh, Will Wade of LSU and wound up getting him fired from the Tigers. Well, he's back. He's back in the boot even as he has landed a job in the Southland Conference at McNeese State. Yeah, I saw that. Interesting to see what happens there because he still has a show, show cause that the NCAA can actually hold McNeese liable for what he did at LSU. Wow. So True Louisiana politics at its finest. Interested to see, does he even see the first bit of the court in Lake Charles, or is it just a splash higher and a dud fire again? That is an excellent parting shot. You know what? It, it, that sounded, that was a quality parting shot. My parting shot is a story that is, is a bit of a plug too, because I wrote about it in howraiser.com. Guys, you know Mike Oresco, right? The commissioner for the American uh, American Conference? Athletics? Yes. Yeah, so for years, Mr. Power Six, right? Kind of ignored the rest of the G5, pretended to be part of the power structure. Was always like, oh, you know, there's Power Five, we're the Power Six. We kind of belong in the Power Five. Would always sort of turn his back on the group of five, turn up his nose on the group of five. That's all changed now. Now that the Big 12 has sapped him, robbed him of his power players, he sent out a memo, a scathing memo, complaining how the group of five needs to pull together, be a unit, and that there shouldn't be any tags at all. He says it's ridiculous to be a power <coughs> five in a group of five. It should just be 10, 10 leagues, which he's right. It should be. It's just kind of nice that at the very at this time, when all of his great conference leaders leave for the Big 12 for a power program, suddenly Mike Oresco sees the light and goes, hey, guys, we got to pull together here. <laughs> so anyway, that's my parting shot on Mike Oresco, finally a member of the group of five. Congratulations, Mike. Welcome back. Glad you saw the light. Bro, fucking oh. <laughs> 